Welcome back to the second part of Coraline the Movie. We hope you enjoyed the first part and the second is going to be just as weird. Mm, more of the same. But before we get into the actual movie again, it's time to give a new big shout out, a warmest welcome to our new Believer Level patron, Brooke. Thank you so much for supporting. And if you want to be as amazing as Brooke is, you have to go to patreon.com slash podcast and join to access all that special content that's there. And, you know, if you don't have that much money and you still want to support us, you can support us on the basic level. Be our heathen and just give us one euro, one dollar, one pound a month and get early access to the episodes and to our Discord, which is very fun. When you call our bonus material special content, it sounds very dirty and I love that. Maybe we should rename that. Rename it dirtier? No, rename the bonus material to special content. <laughs> it is very special. Sometimes yeah. even in that, I'm pretty sure in the first ever bonus material, you are explaining what an Eiffel Tower is, which is very... <laughs> the sexual position it's Eiffel a, it's Tower. The sexual yes. position of Eiffel Tower, which is very explicit. <laughs> so yes, it is very dirty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Mm, it's been oh many my years. God. I haven't. It's seared into <sighs> my brain now. <laughs> I will forever know what an Eiffel Tower is. <laughs> okay, let's get into the actual movie before we do more weird shit while talking about a children's movie. We join Coraline while she is getting ready for bed and she is not just getting ready to sleep. No, no, she is getting ready to summon the mice again. So she's putting out some cheese. And that is smart. First of all, did she steal that cheese from uh, Mr. Bobinski? I would assume so. Because I don't actually expect them to have any cheese, especially exactly. after the whole food debacle. Yeah, and the only person that we positively know has cheese is Bobinski. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Coraline is a little thief. Is that surprising? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> she's being really smart right now while also being really dumb. So she's smart because she knows what she wants and she knows how to achieve it while also being really dumb by wanting to go back to the other. Well, other. so far, nothing has seemed off over there. Nothing that should have led her to believe it's a dangerous place. So far, it's just been amazing and entertaining and interesting. Well, except for how it ended last time, because she got really weirded out. And that's why she was like, uh, you know what, actually, I'm going to go to sleep. But it was just weird, not scary. Mm. So yeah, I don't kind of... blame her yet. <laughs> yet. I like that. No, because there comes a point in time where it should be more obvious to her, but she is too caught up in it. But yeah. so... She goes to bed, of course, she wakes up again, and we have the jumping mice who actually have button eyes, which is a very cute touch. It's tiny, tiny, but they have button, button eyes. They have button eyes. Button eyes. Oh! Because I they are from the that. other world. So even on this side of the column, they... <laughs> I forgot about that. Go on. <laughs> You're welcome. Even on this side of the column, they have button eyes because they are from the other side. And everyone there has button eyes. See, that kind of makes a better sense to me now. The fact that the mice that actually belong to Mr. 
to real Mr. Bobinski know about the other mice, yeah. about the button ice mice. Button ice mice. That's a great tongue twister. I love that. Button ice mice. Button ice. Wow. Button ice. Yes. Button ice. <laughs> Button ice mice, button ice mice, ice, 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 She stalks them, and I really have to say, the other mother, who is basically controlling everything to a certain degree, is really smart because this is made to look as if the mice are trying to get back without giving Coraline the chance to follow. So Coraline really has to want this for it to work. So she needs to rush, and she needs to like really scramble to grab the door before it fully closes and everything. Thing. So this is a really, like from a psychology point of view, smart setup by the other mother. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't have it easily, then you want it more, especially as a yep. child. Yep. And then uh, she finally makes it to the other side. The other mother, first of all, thanks her for the cheese, which is nice. Yeah. It's a clear manipulation. And then another very, very clear manipulation that happens here is that she says she asks Coraline to get her better father. Oh yeah, that is, it's made to seem like a slip of tongue, mm-hmm. but it is very deliberate. Yeah. And so the development Coraline, from yeah. other father to better father. Yeah. Also, this is the moment where we get the hungry as a pumpkin foreshadowing because the father later on turns into a literal pumpkin. Oh, yes, true. So there's like there's a bunch of tiny things throughout this movie that give you like the tiny foreshadowing and just like an offhand mention of something that later on becomes reality. So it's really, really, really cool. And speaking of what is fucking really cool, the entire garden. Like yeah. visually the set is amazing but also being Coraline and going there and seeing all the wonders like literally half of the plants we see there were the plants that were on the packages that she had put up the kitchen sill so those were the plants that she wanted to plant but Mm -hmm. her parents were too busy to let her so once again this is another thing that she was looking forward to and yes I know this is a children's movie but I'm still gonna say it one of the plants looks like a fucking penis (laughs) yeah I'm sorry it also looks like a Pokemon it's also, it, yes, it also looks like a Pokemon. Like, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there's a first generation Pokemon that looks exactly like that. Yeah. But I can't remember the name. Very, very so. possible. It feels very familiar. It's a penis Pokemon. Yay. But the garden is really, really stunning. And I think this is the best thing that Other Mother does. Because yes. first of all, this is connected to what Coraline wants and wanted mm-hmm. in the first place. And second of all, it is presented by somebody else but her mm. very lovingly. The other Bobinski and the other two actresses that I definitely remember their names. They are cool and everything. They're they're there for Coraline everything. But this is presented to her by somebody who's a parental figure to her. And very clearly, I think we've talked about this already, the other father does love her. Or at least it feels that way. He has that kindness and love around him. And him creating, I don't know, it's not actually him creating it, but like him creating this wonder and giving it to Coraline and making it into the image of her. It's just mwah, chef's kiss. I think it is the most incredible thing that happens the entire movie. I agree with nearly everything you said. This is the first wonder that she makes. 
and it has to be the best wonder because this is the biggest hook. The mm -hmm. rest is just reaffirmation of this is how amazing it would be. But this is just like you said, this is the main thing she wants because this is spending time with her parent. This is being outside in the garden. For some reason, she really wants to do the plants and the everything. And it is like tailored specifically to her with the garden looking like her. So, yeah. But when you say like the father really loves her, I think that Valdem basically made the other father and YB too well mm -hmm. because the Bobinski and the actresses in the real world, they don't care that much about Coraline. They're just neighbors. Mm -hmm. But her actual father really loves her. Mm -hmm. And I think YB also actually cares for her and feels some kind of responsibility for like giving the doll and everything. So I think by copying those two characters too well, the other mother took over some of the actual care because those two are the characters that actually sacrifice themselves and go out of their way to help and save Coraline. And so that was the parallel I saw there, that she made them too true to form. <laughs> Technically, we can say that the other mother does love Coraline in her own well, way. Well, she loves to eat her. Twisted way? No. Baldam's love is just, I need you to love me to let me do this to you so I can eat you and sustain my life. Is it just that? Because yeah. we repeat over the movie multiple times that she wants to be loved while also she wants something to love. I think that's just a front. It might be just a front. I don't know why I would just assume that that's the case. No, to me, she's like a apex predator and it is hmm. easier to If devour. The loves you, the, yeah. Yeah, so that's how I read it. Hmm. Coraline is in the garden and she gets attacked by flowers that are tickling her. Yeah, dragon snappers. The dad, the other dad, descends into the situation because daughter in distress... It's just so pretty the way he starts traveling around and, and the blue flowers are growing behind him and, and the pumpkins the hair and then the pumpkins for the eyes and, and he's like, ooh, daughter in distress when he is more than aware that she's not actually his daughter. Yeah. But the way he says it makes it feel really real. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, my heart. And so he comes with the praying mantis tractor contraption thingy and he mm. saves Coraline, puts her on it and then they fly high up into the air and this is the first instance of Coraline being fearless when she really should be fucking terrified because there's nothing to hold on to. She's not being strapped to anything and they're flying really, really high. That should be scary as fuck. I mean, she can hold on to her better father now. Yeah, but he's also not strapped to anything. So like this seems unnecessarily dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you look at it realistically. Yes, I am. Within the context of this being technically a fairy tale, no, I disagree. I think she should be terrified the second the other YB is introduced to her and she is told that other mother fixed him. That's that the should moment. freak her out. Yes. Yeah, that's the moment she should be completely like, oh, no, 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 no. What if she wants to fix me? We fly up, we see the beautiful Coraline head guard which very cute very very cute and then we cut over to them sitting at the dinner table once again just like the first time they had food the other mother isn't eating there is no food on again, her plate I didn't notice because she's just there to make sure that her prey gets all nice and fat no because there's only one thing that she eats we literally see the other mother eat only once in the entire movie so Ugh. yeah oh those cocoa beetles yes Ugh. yes Gross. Oh, I was so here for that. And Ugh. 
after food, which mm-hmm. way too short once again, like <laughs> so much amazing food. Why aren't you eating more? Yeah, like, seriously. Better. We, of course, have the introduction of the fixed YB. And as you pointed out, the info that he was fixed should at least freak her out. To be fair, she asks YB, did it hurt when she did that? But she instantly gets distracted by, I think it's like a lampion kind of a thingy. Yeah, flying flying into the Bubinski thing. And she doesn't even flinch. She doesn't even like skip a beat and she instantly is interested in that and she doesn't care about YB. She's very egotistical. Yeah. At this point, she's very selfish. That being said, this world is designed for her to thrive as selfish. So uh, it's really easy to be. Also, it is about her growing up to a certain degree. And one part of like outgrowing one of your childhood stages is the realization that other people have needs and that you should have empathy and care about other people. Like small children don't have that. And yeah. she needs to outgrow that stage that she has been in. Mm-hmm. We follow the distraction. We go into the amazing Bobinski's apartment and maybe it's just me but the formerly alive chicken that now poops out popcorn is very disturbing to me no 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 i don't want that thank you i don't want a chicken poop corn i mean i would eat the popcorn but the chicken is alive in the other world and here it's a popcorn machine it's just i don't know why it freaks me out but it freaks me out it is interesting to see that the other mother took something that is alive and instead of created the machine while with other things she's using puppets but also the chicken being there once again speaks to my approach with all of this is completely made up in Caroline's mind because when she looked into Bobinski's apartment for that short moment we saw the one thing that kind of looked like a tent and we saw the live chicken and that was it so her short glimpse into it is the base to create this room and so the chicken is the popcorn and the tent like structure is a tent and what do you have at a circus you have cotton candy and popcorn but like also didn't she have the doll with her when she looked into Bobinski's apartment no she had Bobinski's mail and garden scissors. So she didn't have the doll, so therefore other mother couldn't have known that there was a chicken in the apartment. That is my statement and I'm sticking with that because I have started the it's all in Caroline's brain and none of this is real and I'm gonna run with that until the very end. Counter argument the other mother still has the mice or rats and Bobinski's mice know about the other mother therefore they have seen each other therefore her mice have been to Bobinski's place so she knows how it looks like she knows there's a chicken. Possible but unlikely in my opinion. (laughs) We go there and we have cotton candy cannons which amazing and YB gets shot at repeatedly which obviously is hilarious because there's nothing funnier than someone else being in pain that is not you mm-hmm. so especially yay. if you can then eat the uh, result while YB didn't have a single one of them right YB doesn't eat because I'm pretty sure he can't open his mouth proper I think he can except he's a puppet so he doesn't need to eat I think that's more likely the reason why he doesn't eat. Maybe. When the other mother sews his cheeks up, his mouth is open. Yeah, but that is once she does something to it. After that, it just stays closed. We never see him open his mouth. We only see him frown and smile. We never see his mouth open. Hmm. I'd have to rewatch to deny or confirm that. 
<laughs> but I don't think that's the case. I think he just doesn't eat because everything is there to serve Coraline. Also a very good argument because, yes, everything is there to serve her. And he doesn't have to eat. While maybe, does the other father eat? He has food on his plate, at least. I don't think he actually ate. Yeah, I don't think that any of them in that world eats because they actually don't. So the only person eating in that world is Coraline. Curious. Now I'm going to have to rewatch that to make sure if the other father does ever eat. But of course, the <laughs> most important thing after having poop popcorn and cotton candy cannon cotton candy, that just sounds wrong, we go into the tent. We drop the poop corn, by the way. She does not take it inside. She does not eat it. I paid attention Good. to that. So we go inside. She just eats the cotton candy. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And only the one that is stuck to YB. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's her cotton candy holder. Basically. And so we go inside and the tent is obviously a TARDIS because it is bigger on the inside. Yes. Obviously. It's the tent of holding. It's the tent of holding. <laughs> I like that. Nice. And so we get introduced to this world's amazing Bobinski. And he is just as amazing as the other Bobinski. But his mice are already ready for performing. Aside from the performance that the mice do, just from the stop motion point of view, this is absolutely breathtaking. I have to say. Like, wow. Yeah. I can't imagine how much work this must have been. And it looks absolutely incredible. I love it. Yeah, same. The music and the movement and everything, it's just so cool. Basically, everything that we are seeing is about Coraline and Coraline only. That just means this time the other mother has learned from uh, the awkward moments that Coraline experienced the first time she was there. Mm. And she made it so this time it was absolutely perfect. There was no, oh, wait a second, I feel uncomfortable here. There was no, uh, this was too much for me or uh, I want to go to my real mother or anything like that. This time everything is perfect and Coraline just wants to stay. I think it's not just because everything was perfect, but also it was so much busier than the first time. There was always something going on. Yeah. She didn't have time to stop and think about what's going on and why. Exactly. Which is fair. So... At the end of the night, she is exhausted and ready for bed. And so once again, both her parents tuck her in, which is also something that she is missing in the real world. Also, YB's there. Because he's her friend and now she likes him. Yeah, it's fucking creepy. I found that bit extremely creepy. It felt like they are trying to make sure that she doesn't run away. And now we're all here and we're gonna watch you fall asleep. <laughs> and before you fall asleep, you're gonna get a kiss on the forehead. And that is just beautifully done. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. It gets morning. And once mm-hmm. again, on the chair that Beldam sat down, sits the fucking doll. Yep. And for some reason, this was the moment when I realized that the weird animated turtle that greets Coraline when she comes into her room for the first time, into her other room for the first time, is the turtle shell she has on her shelf, a separate skull that she also has on another shelf, and the clothespins that hold her dragonflies. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. I didn't even think about that. I just assumed that it's some sort of a statue or something. Nope, it is all items in her room, which once again leads me to say these are all things that Coraline knows and sees and her imagination is creating the other world. No. That is fine. Otherwise, yeah. (laughs) And of course, we once again have the disappointment, even more Mm. so than the last time, 
that she wakes up in her bad dingy room with the water damage on the ceiling and the probably not working heater and everything. Mm-hmm. Coraline does not actually want to be leaving the other side. She wants mm-hmm. to wake up there, which of course later on is going to bite her in the butt. Yep. Yeah. So first thing she does is that she runs downstairs and the little door is locked. Yeah, which that's new. It's new and I'm all there for it. I really, really like that her mom is actually sort of listening to her and she is not comfortable with what Coraline is coming up with. Also, she found rat poop. Oh, yeah. Yes. But I also think that that's not the only reason why. No, because why would you lock a door that is walled up? Just because you find rat poop. So I think Mm -hmm. it is a combination of both. Yay for motherly instincts. Unfortunately, too little, too late, mom. Also, she is still too busy. She is still distracted because today is an important day. Because today we have to go into town. Mm -hmm. Finally, the catalog is done. And the dad is really fucking nervous. Yeah. It seems that a lot hinges on this going well. Which, once again, is the make or break. Like, this is... yeah. Important. It feels like it should be again added to your list of proof that Caroline's parents are not very well off. Because if there is so much pressure on this one single thing, yep. it is a sign that clearly there are no other options. It just has to go good. Yep, this is definitely another indicator. And we're getting more than just that. Mm-hmm. He has to present the catalog. And because apparently there's a Shakespeare festival happening, we have some random Shakespeare people in the street. That is the Shakespeare festival that the two actresses want to go to. When oh later on, Coraline tells them that her parents have vanished. And then uh, Mrs. Spink goes, we've lost our ride. I didn't realize that it didn't connect that. But <laughs> yet another Shakespeare reference. Yeah. Yep. It shows that you have watched this movie twice and I have watched it like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Let's say that when we were watching Stardust, I was picking up on a lot more than I am yeah, now. Yeah, because you also watched that movie, I think, more times than I did. million times. I love it so much. You caught more minutiae in that movie. So this time it's actually the other way around, which this is why we do it together. Yay! units. <laughs> While the dead is out presenting the catalogue and we have the random Shakespeare festival happening mom and Coraline have to go uniform shopping because her school is going to start at some point while the mom is picking out like the pieces for the uniform Coraline looks around and she actually manages to grab the single most expensive item from that table that is true but they're the most unique yeah but they're also the most expensive and given the situation that we have read into the situation of the parents this is a problem because I'm pretty sure had she picked something that was cheap the mom might not have been as dismissive but because I think they were like 25 bucks or something which is not cheap for fucking knitted gloves you know So I understand the very shooting her down reaction of the mom. I am absolutely on the mom's side here. She could have phrased it better. But also there is the other side of Coraline not being aware of the money situation and therefore taking it as a personal attack rather than we can't afford that right now. But Coraline is the one who turned it personal because when her mother says no, put them back, Coraline is the one to say my other mother would get them to me. And that is a personal stab against the mom. Yeah. 
who takes it surprisingly well with the, well, then she should probably pay for all of your uniform stuff. Yeah. Which I is kind of trying agree. to tell Coraline that all of these things cost money. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, because Coraline isn't aware of the money issues, which is she shouldn't be, she is taking it personally. You know, like that is the only reason. I think that that like eventually when she realizes when she's going to look back on this specific situation, she's going to be like, yeah, well, that is understandable. I know that I couldn't have or my mom couldn't have gotten them to me because she couldn't afford them. But there is a adulthood Caroline situation we're talking about or I'm talking even without about the money is super fucking tight. They are there buying necessity items that already cost quite a lot of money. So to not add an unnecessary expense to it, even if there was money, is rational and reasonable. So within just this like singular situation, it doesn't matter what their money situation is. But to add the most expensive gloves from the table to the entirety of the wardrobe that she needs to attend school makes sense that mm. the mom is like, yo girl, we're already buying so much shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely fair. Also, I very much doubt that she chose those gloves because they were the most expensive. I no, she just no, no, no. Chose them because because of the color. But yes, she doesn't pay attention to things like how expensive something is. Neither yeah. the gloves nor the cost of the outfit for her school. Exactly. We get the two kids running through, quoting "My Kingdom for a Horse," which is obviously a reference and quote from. Uh, Hamlet. Which makes sense because, and once again, I say subconscious Coraline, the monologue that Mrs. Pink and Mrs. I forgot her, the name of the other one. Mm, um, the monologue that one of the actresses quotes later on is also Hamlet. Exactly. So this once again. That would imply that Coraline knows the entire Hamlet. Well, maybe she had to learn Hamlet for something. When she's 11 years old, I very much doubt that. And but Beldam is nowhere close to this situation. And still, we have Hamlet there, and then we have Hamlet when she goes to the other world the next time. I think that's Neil and not Coraline. I don't care. It's another parallel where something happens in the real world, and then the next time she goes over into the other world, it is mimicked there in a way. And of course, it's Neil putting the things there, but it's him putting everything there. And... He could have chosen two different Shakespeare plays. There is enough to pick from. Yeah. So it must have been deliberate to have both be from Hamlet. I just think that that is Neil being Neil rather than Neil trying to tell us something. But again, different opinions. I will put the entirety of my assumption with the Coraline subconscious making up all of this into my question list. Even though, I mean, to be fair, I'm already pretty sure what the answer is going to be. So... What do you think the answer is going to be? There's not going to be an answer because I'm pretty sure you are supposed to question how much of it is real, how much of it is in Coraline's brain, how much of it is actually like the dangerous fae that are everywhere and nowhere. So mm -hmm. I would be very surprised if Neil ever gave an actual answer to my question. But I'm still going to put it on the question list. You do you. <laughs> oh my God, I told someone once, you do you, and he got very offended. So every time someone tells me you do you, or I tell someone you do you, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the situation where I told someone you do you, and they took it such a wrong way. It was so fucking funny. Every time I say you do you, I think of David Rose going, you do you, do him, do both. Yeah, much better association, but yeah. We leave the clothes shop and 
Oh no, actually, wait, wait, wait. Not just are there two children quoting Hamlet in a close shot, but did you pay attention to how the clerk looks? The clerk no. literally has no facial expression. It is hilarious. The entire interaction between the clerk and the mom, there is no movement on her puppet face. It is hilarious. Ah, <laughs> wow. oh, great. Very much my soul is dead. Yes. I work in retail. I have worked in retail and I feel this person on like a molecular level. Uh So yeah, like retail service industry. There are just some days where you're like, no. Especially in some times of the year. So for example, working in a clothing store when school is about to start is soul sucking or working in any retail business. During any sales. When you have summer sales or something, it's, yeah. But yeah. so, yeah, I, I felt that because literally <laughs> yeah. she has the exact same expression the entire time. So I really mm. wanted to point it out because to all of you who work in retail, biggest respect. It is so draining and people are so sucky. So mad props to you. But now we actually do leave the shop and we go back into the car and we get a conversation in the car that makes me wonder How long have we lived here now? The entire interaction in the car makes it seem to me that we have spent a lot more time living in the Pink Palace than just a few nights that Coraline has gone over to the other side. Because the mom tries to hype her up for school, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to get better when when you go to school and la la. And she literally says, I had to give it a try. And that sounds like she has tried this before, but we have not seen her trying to hype up Coraline for the new school beginning and anything. So I do wonder, what is the supposed time that we have spent from moving into the Pink Palace until today? It gives me vibes that it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, but it does not track with the amounts of visits that Coraline has done to the other side, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the visits started straight away. It is made to seem that it starts basically very early on. So the timeline is a yeah, bit no, off, which makes sense. It's still a movie, so yay. But yeah. I'm, I'm curious how much time has actually passed. Yeah, I think in my head when I was watching this, it gave me the impression that Belim needed to figure out Coraline before creating the world. She had to spy on her a little bit. So, yes. So I think that it makes sense for there to be a little bit more time since she got the doll until the first visit. Yeah, but it seemed like she got the doll and that is the night she does her first visit. So... I don't expect an answer, but I just wanted to be like, hmm. this feels yeah. weird. Yeah. Because it is at the same time a few days and a few weeks. So, curious. Kudos to Coraline on one hand, because she at this point confronts her mom about her locking the small door. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she clearly wants it enough now. Also, kudos to Belle Dame, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> She clearly wants to go to the other side enough to be confrontational to her mom about it. And she is also becoming a teenager very soon. So maybe that's I mean, she is fucking puberty. So no surprise with the confrontational business there. But also, Beldame has done this quite a few times before successfully. Who knows how many times it wasn't successful, you know? Mm -hmm. But at least three times before she was successful. So she has a pretty good track record. Yeah. We drive back up to the Pink Palace. That still looks very pretty in pink. Ha 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 ha. Movie reference. I think I pointed this out before, but we only see a tiny, tiny dent on the Volkswagen Beetle. And I know we talked about the potential of this being a new car, like a new old car. Because 
from the way this car looks, there is no reason for the mom to need a neck brace. And so yes. I'm, I'm I'm very curious about the whole what accident happened. Why was Coraline so defensive about it? Like there's so many unanswered questions in this. Mm-hmm. Especially about that family unit. And then we have another moment of I don't think this family actually has any money because we go into the kitchen and mom opens the fridge and she says, how do you feel about uh, something, ketchup, salsa, wrap, whatever. And it's, yeah, you know? Not sounding good, but it also sounding exactly how I sound when it's day before my wages come through and I have nothing to eat. You know, it reminds me of the good old days. This is also why I bulk buy the essentials and love freezing them because then you always have something. Mm. But also when she opens the fridge door, we see the 30% off for back to school clothing. There was a flyer for the sale. So Mm -hmm. they had to go into the store to get the 30% off for everything to save some more money. So the fridge moment alone is two more points on the this family doesn't have any money. Yeah. And the mom is trying in this scene because she already was trying in the car. But now she is like, do you want to come with me food shopping? You can even pick out something that you like. Yeah. And I don't blame Coraline for not being in the space to like see and accept and acknowledge that. But I do see the mom trying. The thing is, we know for a fact that they are good parents, that they love her. It's not a neglect. It's not that they don't care. Mm. Because we've seen the pictures, we've seen the snow globes, we've seen all of that. And we see, we can see that they love her. We see the glimpses in the interactions before the real world problems take over. So it makes absolute sense to me that she's like, okay, now that the catalog is done, let's just spend some time together. I know we have no money and the food is terrible and we have none, but Mm -hmm. we could at least hang out. And Coraline, unfortunately, I think that she would react quite differently to it if she didn't meet Beldame. Yes. But because she is already hooked to the other world and she really wants all of the things that are being suggested there, she doesn't have space for uh, her mom's love. And I don't blame her, I have to say, because she is a child. There's no blame in this, unfortunately, except for (laughs) American healthcare system that clearly destroyed this family to the point where the (laughs) child is going to (laughs) die. going to get kidnapped by a fucking monster spider from another world and get eaten. We think the family doesn't have money because of the accident. Yeah, yeah. I okay, okay. posed this theory last time, so I am sticking to it. Okay. I know too many people who have gotten into the slightest issues and you know now what? they are broke. They had the car accident and it happened because mom and Coraline were fighting. And mom got injured in it, but another person got injured more. And so they had to pay for that as well, as well as their own health. Oh no, even worse. And Caroline got traumatized, which is what is triggering her to escape into a fantasy world that she's making up in her own head. No. Yes, that's my story and I'm going with that. My story is that they got into an accident and even though... And the father wasn't in the car. Yeah, they did get into accident because uh, mom and Caroline were fighting about something. But uh, even though mom wasn't injured that much, the hospital bills still were so bad 
that they lost their home and they lost their car and they, well, I mean, the car was totaled, but they lost their home and they had to find somewhere to sublet and they were already so broke because they still didn't pay everything off, but they are trying to start a new, in a new place. And so they Caroline dodged the costs, they dodged the bills, they changed their names. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, basically. They they ran away from it. Yeah, this is America, baby. Uh, this is why they moved to dodge yeah. the, the debitors, yeah. collect the They're money. Basically, they basically went to Wyborn's grandma and said, please, ma'am, we are so broke. We had this terrible thing happen to us. We're on the run from us. the law. We, we are just trying to save our daughter from going to foster care because they will take her away from us if we can't take care of her please please ma'am can we live in the house and this is the reason why, why? she goes back on the policy <laughs> and lets a child stay in the pink palace solved it okay okay i am Done. more into my trauma assumption <laughs> because that works with my already established theory okay so no you tell me if this is all in her head How do you explain grandma's sister? That is just a story that matches her fantasy. Okay, how do you explain the doll? Because the doll is not in her head. The doll does not actually look that much like her because none of the actual adults react to the doll looking exactly like her. That's not true. Her dad says tiny Coraline. Just because an adult says, oh, that's like a tiny you. It could have been a fucking wooden doll and he could have said that. Just like mm. the parents later on don't see the snow on them. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I can rationalize everything. Don't mm -mm -mm. worry. Mm -mm -mm. Now you're just finding excuses for no good reason. No, for very good reasons. But yes, of no. course I'm finding excuses. I have my story and I'm running with it. It's not working out. We have the whole fridge interaction. And sadly, Coraline decides to stay behind and the mom leaves. And so obviously there's only one mission that Coraline is now interested in. And that is finding the key. Mm -hmm. And this, if nothing else, is a sign for me that the mom not only cares but also listened when Coraline shared all these stories because she hung up this key so high that it is not easy for Coraline to actually reach it. Mm -hmm. So this is a way of trying to protect Coraline. She still should have hidden it better, but yeah, the fact that she places the key where she places it means that she didn't lock the door for the rat droppings, but mainly for Coraline's safety. Yeah. Regardless of if it's in her head or not. Yeah, if it's subconscious or conscious, but she actually does listen to Coraline and she actually does care. But this entire scene is very, very curious because this is the first time that now the door works during the day. But mm -hmm. the important thing is not the time of day, but the absence of potential adults walking in on Coraline, which... Once again, is why I say, because either the parents are asleep or the parents aren't there. And this is the only time this can actually work. It's because this way it's safer for Belle Dame. She doesn't have to deal with other people. She can solely focus on Coraline. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Like We can always <laughs> argue both sides. Oh, yeah. And we will, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but there is someone else who's paying attention and oh my god he's not impressed and that is of course the cat and he's neither impressed with the weather nor with Coraline he is so disappointed in Coraline like so I would not say disappointed I would just be like exasperated you know yeah, like obviously like... this was going to happen duh <gasps> idiot child Fucking idiot human <laughs> child here we go again basically though at the end of the movie we do learn that it was his idea for YB to stalk Coraline uh -huh. so he cared 
Well, of course he cared because he cares about children. It is shocking to non-cat people, but cats <laughs> actually really, really care and they do love very intensely. But not Sometimes strangers. It hurts. He can very easily just, you know, hate Belle Dame so much that He's trying to keep children from danger because he knows what's going to happen to them. I can live with that much better than him caring about Coraline, but him hating Beldam so much because he does state later on that we're playing this game. And we've been playing it for a while. Yeah, so this is basically just his chance to fuck her over once again by yeah. winning this round. So... Yep, 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 that tracks, that tracks. Fuck caring cats. No, 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 this is a scheming cat. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Rude. Uh -huh. I think he ends up really liking her because... Oh, yeah, but that is an accident. That wasn't the plan. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Cats never want to like you, but they end up always <laughs> loving you. We go over to the other side, and once again, there is food on the table. Ready for Coraline. And new clothing. Yes, we have presents. Presents are important. And also, she wanted the gloves, and now she got full-on outfit. So once again, mm -hmm. real world, other world, paralleling, getting even more and getting even better stuff. And once again, the fucking food looks so amazing. Like, seriously, I want to eat everything in this movie. <laughs> yeah, except for the sludge. Oh, no, no, no. I want to eat everything on the other oh, in, side. In I'm the sorry. Other yeah, yeah. No, it's I don't want like... to eat the experiments that real dad made. Or the toffee. I mean, the toffee isn't for eating. The toffee is for hiding powered items. I mean, they do give her the toffee at the beginning to eat. Yes, but I'm pretty sure in every single bowl, there is an item of power hidden. I like that. Which is why it has like specific years. You have to be like a level of warlock to unlock. No, I was more thinking like the year of the toffee is not actually the year of the toffee. It's the year they acquired the item of power. Oh, yeah. That's also good. That's better. That's better. Because they already have unlocked all the necessary levels, but they have no need of the items anymore. So they keep them safe. Until the moment arises where someone else needs it more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, that's happening. Mm. I mean, they're obviously also just that old because they live off the life force of their dogs. Oh my God, true. <laughs> <gasps> yes. <laughs> give me all these theories. I love it. Vampire warlocks. <laughs> Vampire acting warlocks. I mean, come on. When you live that long, what? W why wouldn't you be an actor? You have to keep fooling people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, aren't we all actors in some ways? <laughs> um. So we not only get food and we get clothes, we also get the Coraline leaving to the outside and meeting the cat. Mm -hmm. And the cat actually speaking in the deepest, most beautiful voice possible. Oh my god. Like, seriously, that voice, I would not care what he reads to me. I could listen to this all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. Please do a calm sleeping story, sir. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Or read me the fucking phone book. I would also be fine with that. And not just that the voice is amazing. The text for the cat is so fucking sassy. He is such a queen. I love it. Yes. So I have a question for you. Yes. Do you think the reason for Beldame hating the cat is that cats hunt and kill spiders sometimes for fun? And she's a spider? Mm, 
no, I think it's because cats can tell evil. They can tell bad from good by energy. And they don't like to hang out with people that have bad intentions. But Beldheim doesn't hang out with any living creatures. Yes, but he knows... And she is afraid that he's gonna stop her from doing what she wants to be doing, which is actually what he's trying to do, because he's a cat. And that's why there's the rivality. I thought it was being incredibly clever. I mean, yes, you can look at it from that perspective, of course. And you're not wrong, obviously. <laughs> But to me, <laughs> yes. it's more about... Because as a cat owner and a cat person, I mean, I'm a pets person. I'm not just a cat person. But because I have had multiple cats at this point, I have experienced them being very unsettled and uneasy when there is somebody in the room who's who has like bad energy. Like, for example, if somebody comes to visit our house and the cat doesn't want to be in the room with them, I've learned to be wary of this person because it has gotten proven to me time and time again that if she doesn't want to hang out with them, eventually that person's gonna stab me in the back in some capacity. Or you could subconsciously already be aware of that and then the cat is reading your emotions and thus reacting in a way. Well, either way, the cat is reading emotions and uh, she She is behaving accordingly, you know. So the way this cat is behaving accordingly because Beldame is a terrible, terrible being, that's more what I was vibing with, you know. I'm the simple person, you know. It's like cats, spiders, very easy who's gonna win. Yeah, the thing is, my <laughs> this stupid cat doesn't hunt them, even though she should. While my other cat brought me a dead spider once and I, uh, I went into a panic attack and she's never done it again because she's smart. She would kill them and leave them outside. Maybe that's why it didn't read as an obvious option for you. Yeah, maybe that's why. Now, after Sassy Cat, it is time for the theater performance. And if... <gasps> Any of our dear listeners have ever been to Munich or will ever be in Munich, I highly recommend going to the Cuvier Theater, like the Cuvier Theater, because I kid you not, this looks exactly the same. 100%. It is pretty incredible theater. It's giving very much more opera vibe than a theater vibe. The next time mm -hmm. you somehow manage to be in Munich, we have to go there for a theater play. I don't care what we watch, but you have to sit in this theater with me and confirm that it looks exactly like this. Let's do it. So Let's that I just it. wanted Let's to... Let's put it in our calendars. Wanted just to point that out. And then we start the performance. So basically... Do we think that Beldame has just taken the already stuffed dogs from the pantry no. of the actresses and brought them to the other side? Because, I mean, they're already stuffed. Make it easier for yourself, right? Get them through mm, that column. No, because she has no power over on the other side yet. Well, that's a shame. That would have been funny. That would be funny, but also these dogs aren't angel dogs, they're bat dogs. But we don't know that yet. I know, but so different base dog, you know? I know, but I really want it to be really funny. <laughs> that would be so cool. It's like actresses wake up and all their angels Where's are just angels? gone. Where's our angels? And then just like go make a tea and they come back with a cup of tea and dogs are back. Like That oh. would be fucking hilarious. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I would love that. We did the live watch for this and I cannot believe it took me that long to realize that the eyes of the one prop dude are moving. It freaks me out so much. Wait, what? So the backdrop for... Um, oh. Mrs. Pink <laughs> The ice Yes <laughs> That fucking freaked me out And I never <laughs> caught that Before doing a life watch with you uh, It 
it's so funny. I love that's one of my, my favorite things. So oh. I thought it was all just painted and there was no no movement or anything. And it's just one dude. Like this time I paid super, super fucking close attention. And it's just a one dude and he looks so terrified. Because like he has this frozen look of terror on his face with the moving ice. Completely freaking me out. But the performance on the stage is just utter and complete chaos. The musical performance is terrible and terrifying. I love Everything it so much. crashes. It is just terrible, terrible. I want to say it's my favorite, but it's not my favorite, but it's also my favorite. It is definitely one of the highlights, but it gets so much worse because they end up on top with the bucket at the bottom mm-hmm. and then they do the jumping and before they jump down they take off the bodysuits and Doctor Who that reference. is so fucked yeah 100% a Doctor Who reference I'm calling it um, maybe I would not be it's... surprised but also pretty sure it's do you not... know which one I mean Doctor Who does not have like a, the solo rights to human bodysuits Man in Black also had that yeah but like the, the, the middle the zipper yeah, still. Middle zipper. Yeah. It's just, I know, I know, but like this is just. Do you want me to put that on the that list? No, it's fine. I'm sure it's not. But my first kind of point of reference to that point is. Yeah, like because the you're smithereen. a Hoovian. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, this is also the moment where the music changes to the Can Can. And if you want to know about the Can Can, you have to listen to one of our bonus episodes because Vero already talked about the Can Can. Yeah, because I can. Can. Ah, can you? <laughs> and as we mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure that's not going to make it into the episode when we talked about the Shakespeare tangent. They are quoting Hamlet and I wrote it out because Ooh. what a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action like an angel, in apprehension how like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. But this is what they say. We're missing the further part and that is the cure curious one because it continues and yet to me what is this quintessence of dust which turns this entirely into a profound expression of depression and a clear view of human worthlessness hmm. mm-hmm. wasn't Shakespeare kind of smart but also with leaving out the final line it sounds like a celebration of humanity but mm-hmm. if you add the final line it is about the worthlessness of humanity mm-hmm. and you this it. gives it like an added layer that is obviously completely lost on children watching this movie and this is what I love about not just gay men's work that is turned into movies but in general about many many kids movies oftentimes there are layers hidden in there that have no business being in a fucking children's movie mm-hmm. but when you actually pay attention you get all this depth and so as a grown-up you not only have an entertaining kids movie you also have layers that you can delve into especially when you're like us and you're obsessing over minute details i don't know what you're talking about i would never do that but yes this is another moment when anybody being in the situation that Coraline is in should be terrified why this is breathtaking i wouldn't have time to be terrified Watching the two of them, yes. Watching the two of them is incredible. But the moment that they bring her with them and they start throwing her around. Oh yeah, that's, yes, right after the, the monologue. Yes, that should be terrifying. 
this is not something that in a real life you would enjoy. But then again, she ends up being the center of attention. The other YB throws her a rose or whatever the flower is. And that is all Coraline actually wants. This is exactly playing out the way Beldame wants it to play out. And at the end of the performance, they leave the theater and her other parents are waiting there to pick her up, which is really sweet. Yeah. This is Is the kind of doting that she wants. But this is the moment now she has been primed and Beldam expects her to be ready. And so this is the moment where she gets the gift. Even though I am I am with Beldam because Beldam phrases this clearly as this is totally up to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay here, you have to do this, but you don't have to do it. But this freaks Coraline out super, super fucking much. About fucking time. I mean, I don't think it's that scary because it's still clearly phrased as something it's up to you, you know? Yes, but like also uh, the illusion of free will. Yes, that is exactly the thing, the illusion of free will. But like also if if you think about it, if you really think about it, it is understandable that she gets freaked out about it because she doesn't have the option to do what she's been doing so far, and that is choosing in which world she's going to be. Yes, she was inclined to be in this world, but by having the button eyes sewn on her, she would give up the opportunity or possibility to ever go back to her real parents. And the finality of that, that is obviously such as in a real world with so many different things. Like, let's think about it as you dislike pineapple you really <laughs> dislike pineapple and but you always have a chance to eat it because even though you don't like it and you're not planning on eating it but then you find out that you're deadly allergic to pineapple <laughs> so even though you don't like it and you weren't planning or eating on eating it now you are not allowed to eat it because it will make you die now you are limited in your options, despite the fact that you never really wanted that option. Yeah, it's no longer your choice to not eat pineapple. Mm. So it's the same way as Coraline now. If she lets Beldam give her the button eyes, she will no longer have the option to go back to her real parents. So you mean to say will- it is not about Iranian yogurt? Which is a super fucking random Reddit (laughs) reference, but it is not about the button eyes. Yes, it's about losing the choice. It is about losing her actual parents, losing her normal world without a way to go back to make a final, final decision. So the button eyes, as terrifying as it comes across for us as viewers, is not what is actually terrifying. But the finality of the situation is what would be terrifying. Yes. But because this is a children's movie, to make it very clear that it's terrifying, we use the let me stick a needle in your eye and so on buttons. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sharp you won't even feel it. Which, fair enough. Like, yeah. You won't feel a sharp knife that cuts you until after the fact. It's still gonna hurt, but not while it cuts you. No. Which is hilarious to me that our bodies are that weird. Yeah. No, but it's actually, it's a really good point that as terrifying and distracting as the button eyes are, they are not the terrifying thing. Mm -hmm. So, actually, I really like that. It's a good point. Caroline decides that she needs some time... And also she needs to go the fuck to sleep so that she can wake up 
in her other world. So she rushes into her room and barricades the door. And all of the toys are talking to her. Mm-hmm. Terrifying, by the way. Did you notice that the tank that she has now has a giraffe in it? Which, no. yeah, there's a giraffe sticking out of the like tank hole top thingy, which... Again, the sisters did see a giraffe in the bowl. So there is a giraffe. Of course there has to be a giraffe. Also, obviously, her friends in the picture now have button eyes. They always had button eyes. No, no, no. They didn't have button eyes in the first scene. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I have specifically made mental note of that. I'm going to go back when I edit this. Yes, I wanted to see if they had button eyes, but I'm very sure they didn't at the beginning. And now they do. And then she goes, there is something about we're already here here yeah just stay here with us yeah and that the fact that they now have button eyes feels like they said yes to it now so yeah they're makes already sense there. but i was so sure that they already had button eyes i'm gonna go back and and check that out i was not done with the tank and rough because <laughs> apparently the tank is a specific type of tank and it's called mother according to imdb so i wanted to point that out <laughs> Sorry, what is a specific kind of... Like this tank? This tank is called Mother. Is it... Wait, is it an American tank? Don't ask me. I know nothing about tanks. I used to play this game. World of Tanks. Online game called World of Tanks, yes. Yeah, I know people who play it. No, but I wanted to point it out because like it is very... like. On the nose. Yeah, it's British. I thought so. Yeah. So she forces herself to go to bed, which is impressive. Like, I would have a hard time forcing myself to fall asleep. But Mm -hmm. she manages and she wakes up. But sadly, for the first time ever, she does not wake up on the regular side. She is still on the other side. Yeah. And that is bad. Yeah. But it's also weird. It is very weird. And we're not really sure how... The time works on either side and in Mm. parallel. So we actually don't know how long has she been gone. Yeah. And also it is weird to me that Beldame is resting apparently as we now learn in the rest of the scene. But she still had enough power to keep Coraline here. Mm-hmm. This is very curious to me. I would assume that's why a lot of the things are on like a rest mode. Because she is using most of her power while she rests to keep Coraline in this world. So it would run smoother usually had she not to expend the energy to keep yeah. Coraline in this world. That's a really good point. I like that. I think that it needs to always be ready for Coraline to come in. Mm. So the world needs to run fairly well even when she's not there because she can walk in at any point. Yeah, good point. She walks around the house and she finds the other father in the study. And that scene is so creepy and so sweet because he really does try to give her more information, but the fucking piano hands are literally shutting him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're controlling him. That is very sad. I thought in the first scene that he invented the hands and he's an inventor in this world. Now this is the moment where we realize this is not the case. <laughs> they are controlling him rather yeah. than him controlling them. And like smooshing his face together and everything. Like, that looked really painful, poor boy. I mean, he's a puppet. And this 
freaks Coraline out tremendously and so she runs away. And this is exactly the same route that she runs as she does in the beginning of the movie when she feels that she's being stalked by the non-visible cat. Mm, yeah. It's exactly the same. It's We yeah. pass the tractor, we pass the apple cart. Even though the apple cart is full here. The mm -hmm. apple cart in the real world had the same amount of buckets, but they were mostly empty or laying down to the side. And this apple cart has like all the buckets full of apples. Yeah. And as it did in the first scene, the cat shows up. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a beautiful parallel when we, when we think about it. Because oh, yeah. the way just it is built, excellent. And they uh, have a conversation. And they keep about walking. About the world. And the, the world around them disappears. Which is curious. Because this means that Beldem did not make the fairy ring and the well. Nope. She doesn't need it. No, it makes me wonder because if the fairy ring was like the triggering portal, of course she can't remake it because that is not an illusion. It's an actual thing, you know? Hmm. Yeah, we we talked about that possibility, right? Yeah, because like basically the moment Coraline steps into the fairy ring, everything starts happening. And at the end, she throws in the remainder of Beldam into the well inside the fairy ring and like basically locking her inside the fairy ring. So mm. Mm, that would be for your side of the interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And she can't remake it because it's too powerful. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. So we walk and the world vanishes, as you said. Yeah. The world vanishes and they talk and talk and talk. And the cat is trying to convince her or not. He's not trying to convince her. He's just chatting to her about what's going on. He's explaining shit. Yeah, it's composition. Because why we can't speak in this world, so we need somebody else to do the composition part. You mean exposition. Composition. Exposition. <laughs> Thank you. Let, let me say this again. Uh, it's exposition. I was like, what is it? Thank you. And because YB can't speak in this world, so you need somebody to do oh, the exposition. Oh, right. Because in the normal world, YB is exposition boy. Because the cat can't speak. So the cat needs to speak in the other world to be exposition boy. YB and the cat Parallel. are parallels. Nice. Yeah. I missed that one. Love that. That is really, really yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. I totally saw that from the beginning. Obviously. <laughs> Duh. And while the cat does the exposition, Caroline is really slow on the uptake, I feel. Like, yeah. He puts I mean, it in really simple child. terms and she's like, huh? <laughs> she's a child. And then they come back to the house from the same yeah. side, actually, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Small world. Yes. They come back to the house mm -hmm. and the whole thing with the story that the cat explains here, mothers being evil is like a classic fairy tale thing because before the Brothers Grimm rewrote and children fight their tales, mm -hmm. it wasn't evil stepmothers, it was evil mothers. Huh. I didn't know that. It's super fucking curious, actually. So having this basically, because if you look at it from like, oh, let's look at this, like a psychologist and Coraline is actually afraid of her mother and la 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 la, you know, that <laughs> there is an evil version of her mom that wants to kill her out ah. of love, you know? Like, I mean, you That's could have a, a fucking psychology field day with that. Yeah, for sure. Like, she loves her so much, she wants to gobble her up. I could just eat you up. Yeah, and that Quite is something literally. that like maternal figures say sometimes. Like, oh, aren't you the sweetest pumpkin? I could just eat you up and something like that, you know? Also, praying mantis. Yeah, but so like Coraline 
having this vision or version of her mother in her brain, if we go with my interpretation of all of this being in Caroline's subconscious, once again is the, yeah, she is having issues with her mother. She is going through stuff. She is going into puberty. We have the whole like rival situation with mother and daughter and la 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 la. So there's, there's a lot of like potential layers that you could read into is what I'm not going to go into is also not going to be my devils in the details my devils in the details <laughs> obviously is going to be Beldum thank you I mean who else <laughs> what else could I have possibly taken <laughs> but I think it's really fucking interesting I really appreciate the parallel with the evil mother variant and everything. So us now coming back to the house and Coraline knowing a bit more, even though she's still being a bit slow on the uptake, it really feels like the stakes are a lot higher now, you know? Yeah. And so this is the moment where we have to go back inside because this is the only way that she can try to go back. And it is terrifying inside. Oh, yes, it is. Just before we go inside, though, there is a mouse. Oh, right. I completely forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. The spy. And Katz jumps and catches the mouse. And Coraline gets like, oh, no, don't do that. But the second the cat kills the mouse, it turns into a rat, which turns into a doll, a sand-filled rat. Sawdust, I thought we were saying it was not sand. But yeah, the rats look like sand. The rats look like sand... Otherwise, possibly sawdust. But it just turns into... what The fact that it has to go through process of three different things <laughs> is just to me like um, overkill. But... <laughs> overkill yeah. for the kill? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that happens. And I think this is the moment where Coraline actually starts taking the situation a little bit more seriously. Like, yes, she's been troubled and everything, but having this happen in front of her very eyes, I think she was still trying to hold on to this childish view of, but everything's so pretty. How could it be bad? Yeah, all of this ain't that bad. And I think this visualization is what is needed to drive yeah. all the verbal points of the cat home. Yeah, it's the breaking of the mirror, as you would say. Yeah, even though she later on does literally break a mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is another great, great moment. Yeah, but then now she walks back inside and she goes in with, I've just seen this, I've just had the reality crumble, the, mm. what I thought was real, crumble in front of me again. And now she sees things clearer as what they are, which is why the furniture has turned so buck-like. Mm -hmm. Everything suddenly seems much darker than it The glamour has faded. Ago. If we're going to yes. use fey vocabulary, the glamour has faded, which obviously is the clearest in the other mother herself. Mm -hmm. Not just yet, but that kind of happens simultaneously. I feel like it's also that the other mother realizes that this is not the way to get Coraline anymore. She can't fool her anymore. She already lost the compliance of Coraline. So now she needs to use a different way, which is fear and force. Exactly. So she stops focusing on uh, the visual and she starts focusing on... She stops pretending on many, many levels. Not everything yeah. yet, but on most of the levels. And so we go into the living room thingy where the door and the bug wardrobe and everything is. And this is where the mother sits on the couch and yeah. she is eating cocoa beetles. And this is the first and only time we see Valdem eat. And it's moving. They're not... She's like, oh, have some of this delicious chocolate. And the chocolate's moving. It's not chocolate if it's moving. Yeah, because she is a spider and she eats bugs. Gross. 
But it makes sense. It makes sense doesn't make it not gross, though. I mean, I've eaten insects before. It's actually not that gross. In this specific situation, it's gross. <laughs> it's just because we're not used to it. Praying mantis, praying mantis, praying mantis. I do have to say, though, even though on one level it makes sense that she is now having to try different approaches, it does feel a bit rushed that she escalates all of this so quickly. That she grows in her more praying mantis-like shape. Mm. And that she becomes so harsh and evil in how she verbalizes. Mm. This is an extreme escalation that happens very, very quickly. On the one hand, it's understandable. But on the other hand, it does feel rushed to me. Yeah, I think she's just frustrated because I don't think that she is used to having somebody this strong will to deal with. You think the previous kids were like easier to manipulate? Yeah. Uh. I genuinely think that she just lucked out with the previous kids or she just chose very poorly. Like she got very unlucky with Coraline. Oh, no, no, no. It's very obvious. The grandma has not rented to kids in a very, very long time. The grandma is very, very old. So that means that ever since grandma's sister got taken, Beldam has not eaten. Mm-hmm. So she had to take Coraline, no matter if Coraline was a fitting candidate or not, because Coraline is extremely strong-willed. She is sassy. She is loud. She mm-hmm. does not bend and break easy. So she would obviously not have been the first choice. But she is the first option for In many a very, decades. Very long time. Yes. So Beldame must actually be starving when she starts. Mm-hmm. So now she's just not going to take the chance in losing her meal. And that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 See, we solved it as per usual. Before she throws Coraline into the mirror until she becomes a loving daughter again, I want to point out another parallel to things that happen in Coraline's normal life because she grabs Coraline by the nose. And that is something that the dad did in Funny and Nice when they were in town. And once again, there was no doll near there. That is once again, Coraline taking something that happened in a normal world and changing it now into something negative because now her fantasy is going dark. Once again, a parallel. Normal world, other world, it's there. Just wanted to say that. Parallel is there, yeah. Before we go into the mirror scene, there are two... IMDb facts that I want to point out. Mm -hmm. One is, and I missed that and I didn't see it. When the other mother and other father attempt to persuade Coraline to sew buttons into her eyes, the framed silhouettes on the wall are the representations of the three ghost children. Oh. Yeah, I completely missed that. I'm going to believe IMDb. I did not go back to check. And Mm -hmm. second, as the other mother becomes her true self, we see more insect-like characteristics appear. The other mother is an expert at sewing. Her clothes become reminiscent of an insect's forex and abdomen. And in her final form as a spider, the other mother hunts in her web containing the buck furniture that resembles previously caught prey by vibration just like a real spider. Yeah. IMDb spelling out that the other mother is a spider. (laughs) Gross. No, she's a praying mantis. Please don't take that away from me. Well, I'm the one who gave it to you, but you know that IMDb always has other opinions on things. It is truly easier for me to think about it that way. That is fine. And I will not take that from you because, like I said, especially when she moves around in her final form, she does look like a praying mantis with the four legs on the ground and the two arms up. All right. Yeah. Well, then, obviously, Coraline behaves badly as a child the whole movie, but finally somebody is actually punishing her for it. So <laughs> she ends up behind the mirror. Wow. I know. I know. Thanks. <laughs> 
and there is these tiny little things under the blankie and yeah the silhouettes of three ghosts yeah. yeah she's very very brave calling them out and trying to talk to them and they obviously start telling her what's happened and everything. And I did make sure this time to like take a note of if there is one that looks like the original doll that we get in the opening credits. Yes, it's obviously the grandma's sister version of it. Thank you for so catching that. I can't believe that you didn't catch that. That's actually so wild to me. Nope. <laughs> did you catch that one Fair of enough. the girl's faces is stuck in a scream? I was wondering why the long face. And I am pretty sure only grandma's sister and the boy are talking, not the third child with the face stuck in the screen. I'm pretty sure we have two hmm. distinct voices. We have a girl voice and we have a boy voice. Hmm. That is actually terrifying. Thanks for that. You're welcome. I hope you have great dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coraline is like, okay, I'm going to have to face her. I'm going to have to find. I'm going to have to solve this. And also we get like the important information with the stolen eyes and everything. Like this is exposition dumb, blah, 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 blah. But now one of my favorite moments, because YB shows up and rescues Coraline. But he's not only himself. No, no. He is wearing the chicken oven mitt that the other mother was using in the first kitchen scene. And he's wearing that over his head. Because he wants to hide his face. And I don't actually think he's hiding his face from mother. I think he's hiding his fixed face from Coraline. Yes, this is one of the most heartbreaking moments of this entire movie. This is also the moment where Coraline actually finally shows some fucking empathy. (gasps) That she takes the time to pull out the threads, even though Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the time. This is the first selfless act that Coraline does. Why the other YB is just such a good friend. Like I don't understand why he loves Coraline so much and why is he risking Because he was this. made this way. Okay, fair enough. That's a good explanation. But <laughs> She has been nothing but... Callous. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the first time she shows empathy, that she does something that is not beneficial to herself, that she actually risks something for someone else. And so I appreciate this moment. And while I want to praise her, also her going, did she do this? It's like, Caroline, come on, honey, you're not that stupid. Of course course she did. did. Like, duh. You've seen enough, bitch. I mean, kid. YB takes her back into the living room and I want to point out that the lamp next to the bug wardrobe also is made of bugs. Ugh. Yeah, really, like the level of fucking detail in this movie is incredible. Yeah, they finally managed to open the door and the colon is covered in spider webs and like used shoes and stuff like that. There's, it's very, very messy. And I'm going to say it now. I would rather have the other mother so on my butt nice than crawl through that. Ah, come on. She's just expelling the leftovers of the previous child. I mean, yes, but like also... Just the idea of that is giving me the... And Caroline asks YB to come with her. And obviously he still can't talk. So he takes off his glove and blows away his sawdust hand. Mm -hmm. Which, this is just very, very sad. Yeah. And this is also the last time we see him. Because the next time we see him, he's dead and empty. Mm. Feels like his emotions are real, but his body isn't. So the other mother made him, created him well enough for him, for his soul to exist in this world. But he can never be a real boy, if you know what I mean. And that is something that like is 
a thing in many questions that when you create life, you don't have like all the control over it. Mm. And so by creating the father and by creating YB, the mother lost control of it. Because apparently the amazing Bobinski is made of rats, which apparently are her henchmen or something. So that tracks. And we're going to have to talk about the sisters because there is a lot to unpack, but we're going to talk about it when we get there. I feel like there's a nightmare coming from that. Well, that is all that we have time for today. We're totally planned. We're totally not recording this at the end of a way too long session. So thank you for listening to this episode of Coraline the Movie. Part 2. Bye! Bye. Bye.